I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Stony Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today, we're not discussing a book. We're discussing our podcast. It's one year old today. Stuck in Stony Brook is one. So it's time for us to move on to eighth grade. I can't believe it's been a year. I can't believe I have to go to eighth grade again. I know. Ugh, that's like the worst grade to do over and over again. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like seventh is worse than eighth. Mm. What about like first grade? Would be cooler than eighth grade. Wait, are you going back to first grade as a six year old or as a 40 year old person? This is like Billy Madison now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So- Sam would kill it in first grade. <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> snack time. Well, they don't have snack time in first grade, do they? So let's go back. Let's go back to kindergarten then. I'd kill it. Yeah. I think you still have a nap time in kindergarten too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm into it. So let's do our one sentence summary of doing the podcast for a year. It's gonna be hard to summarize this, but I'll go first. I will summarize it as it's been cool and fun. I really <laughs> believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Uh, my one sentence summary, I'm sort of torn. She's going to Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm torn between a really sincere one. They're both sincere, but I'm torn between a just straight sincere one and a funny sincere one. So I'll give you both. Mm -hmm. My straight sincere one is like, it's a dream I didn't know I had that came true. Um, But my my funny sincere one is like, I can't believe I got the two of you to do this. (laughs) Like, I'm still like disbelieving. It's like so exciting. So Yeah, I'm really excited for all the podcasts that Anne and I will never make together, but that's not my one sentence summary. <laughs> you got a lot of good ideas, though. Well, you guys both in prep for this episode accidentally stole my one sentence summary, which was I planned in advance. I forgot to write a one sentence summary. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Amazing. Because that is every every episode. Mm-hmm. 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 Though I think Emily, you're the one that came up with the one sentence summary yeah, as a concept. It's a great bit. It was your idea. <laughs> I come up with you're a like, lot I of stand things. behind the idea. Okay, <laughs> doesn't mean I do them. <laughs> oh wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food. Oh, not bad that time. Yeah, I laughed. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. And I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. Um, you all know this already. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, you can listen to this episode, but definitely also check out our prologue episode. And please rate and review us. There was an iTunes update today or an Apple Podcast update today. I don't know if you all saw, but they're doing the math better. So our average rating has now dropped because before we were close enough to five stars that it just said five, but now it says 4.8. So listeners, we could really use you to get our grade point average back up. Yeah, Guess who had a 4.0? We have, we have 98. Yeah. More? I'm not cool. You guys know this. I don't have any chill. Um, more importantly, we have 98 reviews. So we're really close to 100. It would be amazing to get to 100 for our birthday. So um, you can also reach out to us at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Um, and speaking of our Patreon, we would like to personally thank all of our amazing patrons. We've had the Patreon for about a month now, and we've got a bunch of people to shout out and thank. So thank you so much to Heather Kalapotis, Meredith, Brianne, Molly Pop, Kelly Roberts, Shakita Weaver, Lindsay Ford, Sarah Deffinger, Shira Muroff, Rachel Chan, 
Alicia, Jenny Harris, Amanda Folds, Katie Longstreth, Michael, Emily's mom, <laughs> Esme's mom slash Emily's grandma. Casey Ellingsworth, <laughs> Natalie Weston, Laura Ramos, Buckingham Alice, Andy France, and Jill Weisskopf. Thank you. Pizza Thank toast you. to all of you. Pizza toast to Patreon. Cool. So as we mentioned before, we aren't discussing a book today. We're answering questions that all of you have asked us via Instagram or Patreon. So basically way more interesting than, than a BSC book. Just kidding. <laughs> so we kind of bucketed these questions um, based on topic. So First up, a lot of you asked questions about the books we grew up reading and just about the BSC books in general. So first, we have a question from Anuja, who asks, do all of you have an extensive collection of Babysitter's Club books? I'm super curious if between all of you, you have all the books or what you'll do if a book is out of print. So personally, I have books probably up to 60, the low 60s, and about, I would say, five or six super specials, a few mysteries, no little sister. Yeah, I don't think any of us have any little sister. Did we, did you read little sister, Emily? I did not, no. Yeah, even Emily didn't read them. They didn't start coming out until Anne and I were like 11 or 12, so it was like clearly not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I have more than that at this point. I have the ones I got back from Emily when she was a kid. And then I um, do this thing called Paperback Swap. Um, It's a website where you can post your old books and you pay for postage to send them to somebody and then you can request books. So I get a lot of BSC books from Paperback Swap. Um, And so I have now I have up through, I think I have all of them through about 100. And then I have spotty ones in the upper hundreds, the 100 to 131, I have all the super specials. I have a couple mysteries. And then I have all the readers request special, like Christie's book, Stacy's book, Logan's story, those. Um, so I'm getting there. Yeah. I, yeah we're going to have to read it eventually, Emily. <laughs> I'm not reading Logan's story. I will participate in that episode and I, will, I refuse to read the book. I'm just going to guess about what's in it. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, So, so far I've been, you know, I think a lot of them are out of print, um, but we've been able to find, I've been able to find them either on paperback swap or on like eBay or Etsy um, for, and I have more of them at this point because my kids have been reading them. So I've been ordering them for my daughters. Well, you're sending them to me on paper. What's it called? Paperback swap. Paperback swap. Yeah. Because the books I read as a kid were yours. So. Right. I, I returned and them. then Emily, you read a fair amount of them on Kindle if we haven't gotten it, if we haven't found you a copy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I prefer not to support Amazon because, you know, billionaires, but yeah, I do have a Kindle. So yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what we've resorted to from time to time. Kept there was a period of time where Anne was at her parents' house and didn't have her books with her and was doing Kindle. Yeah. Not as good. Mm-mm. Yeah. Although sometimes you get fun notes from Anne and Martin in the Kindle version. <laughs> I do like that at the very end. It's like, that's from Anne. Yeah, I miss that. I've never seen those because I don't have a Kindle. Oh, I don't have a Kindle. I don't want one. <laughs> Let's be clear. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm a conscious <laughs> consumer. That's <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, so the next question is from Louise. So what was the last BSC book we read growing up? So I went back to the list of them in order of publication, and I definitely remember Marianne's Makeover, which is book 60, where she cuts her hair short and everybody gets pissed at her. Um, And that would have been when Anne and I were freshmen in high school. Yeah, (laughs) that seems about right. Yeah, I think we probably, um, you know, there were a few that came out along the way that we still bought after that, but like really read and was involved in the thread, I would say 60. I was just going to say, I feel like you guys have always been nostalgia fans, even when it was like current. <laughs> you probably read them a lot yeah. longer than you would have just for the the sake of doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. So which books do you, you guys remember being your favorites as kids? 
And which of the ones you've revisited so far are your favorites now? I have no idea which were my favorites as a kid. I read the California Diaries far later than the Babysitter's Club books. I think by middle school, I had stopped reading them all together, um, which is kind of funny. But I... I like really vividly remember the California Diaries books and I remember really liking the mystery books, but I have really no memories of like which specific books I read often, but I reread everything a million times. I mean, I easily read whatever books that me gave me 10 times each or maybe more, but for some reason I don't remember mm-hmm. any of it. It's just like, didn't, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot between then and now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going by which copies are most worn mm. as my clue. And I think Boy Crazy Stacy was definitely a favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think also, actually, I think like the truth about Stacy too. Mm-hmm. But two Stacy books. Yeah. Even though I'm not, I never really identified as a Stacy. But well, I think none of us identify as a Stacy, but we all really like her. Like, she's a very likable character. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, Boy Crazy Stacy was definitely one of my top ones as a kid. I also really, really loved um, Christy's Big Day. That was my other huge one. And I love Super Special, too. I always wanted, you know, Kate Schatz talked about it on our uh, previous episode about wanting to go to sleepaway camp on the East Coast. <laughs> like, I think there are a lot of books about that, a lot of middle grade YA books about that when we were growing up. And I always liked that idea. I didn't actually want to go myself. I think I was too scared to go for a long period of time, but I liked reading about it and picturing it. Mm -hmm. That was before your metamorphosis into a Christie. Yeah. That was when I was still a Marianne. Hardcore. Yeah. (laughs) But what what about the second part of the question? Which ones have you really enjoyed that we've gone through so far? So we've up up through 38 and four super specials. I can't remember. (laughs) I mean, I've said this before, but I'm a, I'm surprised at the sheer volume of books I don't like <laughs> more than anything. I'm like, yikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are not what I remembered. <laughs> I have both that and the opposite experience of like, wow, this really has no right to be this good, actually. I think, I mean, Christy's Great Idea is a, is a really well-paced, well-thought-out book with lots of really nuanced stuff in it that, you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, it's you know, it's the start of the Babysitter's Club. She has an idea. Great. But it's there's a lot more to it than that. I think also, while I don't enjoy reading it, Claudia and the Sad Goodbye is also pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that a lot. Um, but I also really liked Super Special 4. You know this from <laughs> our oh, recent yeah. episode about it. But that was a good book. It was like a fun, interesting read. Un- unrealistic, but a fun Mm-hmm. A fun romp. Yeah, I'll I'll go with super special number four. Mm-hmm. That was fun to read. Also, um, Don's wicked stepsister. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a favorite, but that was definitely like like a trashy read that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Emily? Any memories? No. Emily doesn't have favorites. I no. <laughs> I have only have least favorites these days. This is my. This is. Grad school is really. This is the, so basically the the title of this podcast episode will be Emily ruins the BSC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question is: I always wondered how Anna Martin or Scholastic decided on the order of the books. For instance, why did we get two Don books in the first ten books before we got a second Marianne book? Why was number twenty a Christie book and then we get another Christie book for twenty four? Do you have any? thoughts or theories about this hmm i don't know i don't know that is kind of weird yeah so they don't i actually never noticed that so they don't go in like a pattern no they don't rotate in a pattern i this really bothered me as a child because we wouldn't know which one was coming out next and then i'd be like what like oh it's another christy book or it's another like Mm -hmm. i would be bummed if it wasn't if we heard again from one of the sitters when it hadn't been very long like, I remember The Ghost of Dawn's House being really confusing to me because I thought it was time for a Marianne book. Right. Because it was. I wonder if this has to do with the conversation we were having, again, with Kate Schatz about, like, the ghost writing and kind of, like, what was going on behind the scenes at 
at Scholastic. Yeah, but it starts even it starts even in the first 30 books. But certainly, yeah, Scholastic Maeve said, well, we need a mystery here first before we have a boy story. Right. Right. So the ghost of Dawn's house comes before Logan likes Marianne. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I wonder if I the same. No, I was just saying, I wonder if that's what it is, that it was like cont- the like structure of the story that mattered rather than the protagonist mm-hmm. or the narrator, I guess. And then Anne and Martin got to decide who's the best protagonist for it. But mm-hmm. there's a certain number of mysteries, certain number of focused more on like special needs child versus mm-hmm. a boy versus mm-hmm. versus a like serious like like a divorce or a death like a serious life event well we figured it out so cool answer that question <laughs> i have a related question which is the like the color of the covers especially you know when i went to make our little rainbow for uh, rainbow of books for pride uh, there's a lot of last yellow week. Right? there's a lot of yellow there's a lot of blue there's almost no I, claudia and mean janine is the only true i know green. And then they stopped making green, which really bums me out because Emily and I really like green. That's so weird. Um, there's no more green books huh. well, in you the know, whole series. There is, I feel like, a lot of, like, science around book covers mm. um, and, like, what colors sell the best. So it could be that green just isn't... People don't like green books. People don't like green books. Well, I think the rainbow of BSC books on my shelf would look a lot nicer with some more greens, just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. I'm, like, looking at my bookshelf right now. Where not where my BSC books are, but I, there are very few green books in general. Huh? Huh? I wonder if gardening books are green. <laughs> mm-hmm. People would pick up a BSC book and be like, "This isn't telling me what to do with my dahlias." Exactly. And be mad. I am confused. <laughs> what is this green or book? <laughs> it's like either a book about money or gardening. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. And the last question about books is a lot of you asked us about what other books we liked as kids what are the other series that we read and what books in our respective use were the most formative god so many i was a big series reader so i read Mm. babysitter's club uh boxcar children nancy drew i read do you remember that series i think it's called dear america it's like all these books Mm -hmm. with girl protagonists that take place in different like historical eras um i was also into the american girl doll books uh, we had uh, my sister and i both collected american girl doll stuff as did Esme. i mean i i didn't i facilitated you grandma just bought me a molly because she was feeling guilty about all the things i was too old like they didn't come out until later well i know i literally only had a molly but it was, you, were, you, were in, you played with us with it you were into it i played with you guys with it yeah, yeah they, i thought they were super cool but um what other oh i did i did read the california diaries spinoff of the babysitters club pretty um i don't even know how many books of those there are do you know how long it went it's not super long i think maybe there's like 15 yeah 15 or 20 something like that um our family is also major like phantom tollbooth as child a childhood kind of classic Mm -hmm. i don't know but i stopped reading like books for kids when i was in like seventh grade Mm -hmm. and started reading books for grown-ups so i have a hard I, I don't have, like, super good memories of all these books, but I remember the series that I, like, went through over and over again. The Boxcar Children was a huge one. Aaron and I, like, destroyed those books almost as much as we destroyed your Babysitter's Club books. I don't know where they are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What was funny? Yeah. We almost treated these books as poorly as we treated Esme's <laughs> books. It's a sign of love. <laughs> it is a sign of love. It's oh, totally also, duh, Harry Potter. I... I was 11 when the first Harry Potter book came out, so I read every single Harry Potter book on the day that it came out. That's fun. Yeah. I feel like I missed out on the whole Harry Potter thing. I yeah, still I mean, read I, them, but yeah. not, I wasn't a kid. It's not the same. Not yeah. the same. Not the same. Yeah, um, Phantom Tollbooth is still my favorite book of all time. I, I think it's just a perfect achievement. In um, And when you ask, like, what's the most formative, like, decidedly Phantom Tollbooth, like, that's that's a big part of who I am as a human. Um, I don't think we we read some series that I think were, you know, on the Babysitter's Club boom trying to get into it. Like, well, I definitely read some Sweet Valley High and Sweet Valley Twins, but not 
Like there was definitely, it's almost like a friend's Seinfeld thing. It was definitely like, are you a BSC person or a Sweet Valley person? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we were like hard, hard line BSC. So we didn't read that much Sweet Valley. We read this one series called The Sleepover Friends that was really like thin and super formulaic. And all I remember is that Stephanie always wore black, white and red. But it was just like these girls that had a sleepover every weekend. That's It was not good. But who did we really love? Um, I, I Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom a thousand percent read everything, mm-hmm. like literally every book that either of them wrote and read them multiple times. I think um, I read Beverly Cleary books yeah. before I read Babysitters Club, but I didn't read them as mm-hmm. as much, so I have very mm-hmm. little memory of them, almost none. Yeah, those are those are books that would also make you very happy to reread. I think much more so even. <laughs> oh, you know, what other series we really liked was The Magic Tree House. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Also, Aaron was really into Goosebumps. I read one and it was so fucking scary. I was like, never again. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of sister podcasts for Goosebumps and and some of those things. But yeah, too scary, too scary. For I wonder us. if they would still be scary for, for you and me, probably. <laughs> Such weenies. So that's and then like Paula Danziger, that that kind of like all that seventies teen and and kid lit. I feel like we had a lot of those um, reprints, scholastic reprints of those. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> all the like Beverly Clary, Judy Bloom. I loved all the E. B. White books. Those. Oh yeah, E. B. White. I read Charles Webb was my favorite book growing up, and I read all the Little House books too. Oh yeah, how did I forget Little House? Yeah, like, yeah. I read Definitely. those books too. I read those a lot. Like yeah. a lot. Oh, you so, know what yeah. else is the um oh fuck, Roll Doll. I loved Roll oh, Doll. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And well, the other thing that you and I both read, Emily, that I that I feel like while this will get me kicked out by my father-in-law of my family, it does do not hold up as the Oz books. Oh yeah. We read all of those Oz books a lot. I love those, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you read all the yeah. Narnia books too. Oh, oh yeah, so did Chronicles I. of Narnia. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. I also read Lord of the Rings when I was in like sixth grade, but mm-hmm. I don't recommend that. I really liked The Hobbit. Not I re- my jam. I read The Hobbit over and over and over and over. And then when I finished Lord of the Rings, I was like, well, that was dumb. And I read The Hobbit again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Not our jam. Man, I'm, I had forgotten a lot of books. I went pretty straight straight from like young adult stuff to like 20th century American lit though. Like it was like seventh grade babysitters club, eighth grade, like fucking Salinger. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we're also really big into Salinger in our family. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My name's Asma. Yeah. There's like a weird, <laughs> like once you cross over into like middle school, it's, it's where you stop. You like start reading books for school. Like they start giving you books to read that are a little bit more adult and you kind of leave behind your more mm-hmm. childhood um, reading, which is interesting because it's, yeah, I was like, when you're like in elementary school, like everything you're reading seems fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like once we got into like HISP, which was like this program as me and I were in, in high school, like we had to read so much. Humanities and International Studies program. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had all the summer reading. It was like, it was like college, almost college level amount of reading we had to do for that. Um, And then that's when it started to be like, ugh, like reading started to become a little bit more like work instead of pleasure for me. Um, In our middle school, we had something called the Accelerated Reader Program, which is a computer thing where you take a test Mm -hmm. and it gives you a a level. And then depending on what your reading level is, you're supposed to meet a certain threshold of points, which so you read a book and then you take a quiz on the book on the computer. So I that in seventh grade, I tested at like college level. And so I was reading all these like, you know, whatever, level 14 books. And I remember once I was reading uh, Snow Falling on Cedars. Do you guys know that book? Mm hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's like a sex scene in it. And, and in middle, when I was in middle school, we used to do like quiet reading time, I guess, as like part of actual class. Yeah. Somehow. Sustained silent reading. Yeah. yeah. Do they still do that? Yeah. Interesting. Um, but a boy who was sitting next to me was looking over my shoulder at the sex scene and then all the kids in my class got all riled up and then they banned the book from the middle school library because of me. I got in trouble. What? <laughs> Yeah. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just remember passing around that chapter of Judy Bloom's Forever at uh, in sixth grade on the elementary school playground. Mm-hmm. I read that book. All, all those like 
dirty Judy Bloom books. Yeah. I was super into them. Yeah. Who wasn't? <laughs> oh, I know we've already talked about this on a different episode very briefly, but I w- and Anne made so much fun of me, but I used to torture myself with the chicken soup books. The, the Oh, yeah. The, the chicken soul. soup for the teenage soul. <laughs> when I was really depressed, I would just read them yeah. and cry and cry and cry. <laughs> uh, that's It's funny. I didn't think about like other stuff we read that was not literature. That I also really was into like occult stuff. Like I had books about like oh. Bigfoot and the Bermuda Triangle mm. and like things like that that I would terrify myself with um, so that funny. that mysteries of the unknown commercial that <laughs> used to be on that time life book series and do you remember yeah. the mysteries of the unknown commercial that still terrifies me it's on youtube i can't watch it it's so scary this is what you did before you had the internet right? yeah <laughs> should we move on to our next segment of questions yeah let's move yeah. on all right so these are questions we got from you all about the babysitters A lot of people asked for predictions on what the gals would be doing as adults. There is an episode that we recorded sometime last fall where we talked about this because we had a we had a pretty funny text exchange um, after Anna Martin did an interview with Jenna Bush Hager, Jenna Bush Hager. And she was asked this question and she gave kind of very standard answers. And we had a a, a pretty, pretty funny back and forth on like alternate uh, uh possibilities that largely involved like geography of New York City and like people whose jobs really suck who are my age, <laughs> which is like yeah. maybe not quite where they would be, but it was a, a yeah. it was a good time nonetheless. But I think there's a lot more we could still say. So I'll suggest um to anyone who's curious in that conversation to go back to our fall catalog. But I don't know. Yeah. Who else somewhere in November. Who else do we want to predict make predictions about or do we have we changed our minds about anything since that that day? <laughs> what was the intramural team thing company? <laughs> Zog Sports. I said Christy works for Zog Sports. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could see I, I could see Christy um you know be working at, you know do like she said at the end of Secret of Susan I could see her working with special needs kids or working in a school um you know, being a teacher of some kind or being some kind of like specialist. Yeah. I mean, if they were my age. Yeah. But they're not. They're two years older than me and Anne. I know, yeah. but it would be really, it would be really <laughs> unlikely that none, not a single one of them would not have done Teach for America. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true for our age, too. For your, I mean, Teach mm-hmm. for America started when we were a, a couple years before we graduated. So, yeah. Well, well they're four years older than us. Sorry. Which no, one, Jesse, which one of them would have done it? And would they still be a teacher? <laughs> Don? I think Don would have done it and would not still be yeah, a teacher. I do too. <laughs> yeah. I think Mallory would have done it and would still be a teacher. Mm. Maybe. Yes, yeah, she's the Alicia. Yeah. Sorry. That's inside baseball there. That's my friend. Yeah. Who did Emily's friend it. Alicia, <laughs> who has not written a review of the podcast. You know but, what? Um, you know. <laughs> you know what? I quit. <laughs> Um, what, what about some of the babies? Like, what about some of the charges? Mm. Like, where do you think? Um, oh yeah. They're more like my age, know, right? Yeah. No, no. They're my age. The babies. Um, you're young. They're not in there. The babies aren't. Yeah. But you know who is your age that I figured out the other day? Emily Michelle. Oh yeah. Emily is exactly Emily's age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Em's doing a little dance. She's excited that she and Emily were the same age. Yeah. I mean. But like Jackie Rodowski. What's Jackie Rodowski up to? I mean, unfortunately he's probably rich. He failed up. You think so? <laughs> you think Jackie he's just Rodowski like, failed he's probably up. like a computer programmer. Yeah. Something that doesn't take much much physicality. Yeah. He just sits in a chair all day in the dark. And falls out of it occasionally. Yes. <laughs> Poor Jackie. Maybe he's like a television editor. <laughs> That's very specific. Well, I was thinking about dark rooms with computers. Why are you laughing so hard? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also because you said television instead of TV. Like, oh. it was very formal. <laughs> My bad. What about all the pikes? What are they all up to? Well, not all of them grow up to be successful because you okay. can't have that many successful children in one family. Okay, so much- who's the who's the pike black sheep? Margo. Probably one of the triplets. Mm, interesting. <laughs> oh. Coming in hot for Margo. You don't think peeling a banana with your feet <laughs> d- d- bodes well for future job prospects? Margo dropped out of art school. 
Yeah. Like one of them, um, someone is a yoga teacher. It's just like statistically impossible that there's not at least one of them. <laughs> well, maybe it should be Margot then. Yeah. I mean, she can already peel a banana with her feet. Yeah. I feel like she's quite talented. Halfway there. Yeah, she's halfway there. Yeah. And you said one of the triplets. Yeah. I can't. They have all the same personality, though. No, Byron doesn't. It's not Byron. Byron's sensitive. He'll he'll be okay. It's going to be Adam or Jordan. Uh, I, I feel like Adam or Jordan will get in trouble for, like, a racist tweet they do in college. And they'll, like, go on to have a, like, career and then get canceled later. I feel like it's Jordan. Just because his yeah. name is Jordan. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, what's the, the incel kid yeah. who we're not supposed to talk about? Rob? Yeah, he's the president of a frat that gets yeah. suspended for, like, hazing. Okay. Yeah, Jamie Newton's cousin, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened to Jamie Newton? Aw, yeah. Don't do not do anything wrong to Jamie Newton, Emily. Don't ruin Jamie Newton. Where do you- <laughs> I was just going to say- I think say- you should say what happens to Jamie Newton. <laughs> I was just going to say Jamie Newton's gay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what does he do? I feel like also this is reminding me of my limiting- like knowledge of what people do for a living. <laughs> Anne and I really don't know very many jobs. <laughs> it's like teacher, doctor, lawyer, writer, doctor, psychologist. Psychologist. Well, that's don't a doctor. Psychologist. Mm. I lump it into mm. that category. Maybe he's a doctor. But yeah, he's specializing like, in like sunburn and dehydration. No, he has <laughs> a PhD in classics from Yale and he's a fucking adjunct at like Queens College, CUNY. <laughs> I can't tell if that's good or bad. It's just by the way you said it. Sad. Realistic? Realistic. Yeah. (laughs) And he has a lot of student loans, which he's never going to pay off. Not too many because he don't accrue debt doing a PhD, but Hmm. he probably has some still from undergrad. He's just been sitting on. Where did he do undergrad? Like Oberlin? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know that Oberlin Yale classics pipeline? (laughs) (laughs) okay what do we do we really i mean everybody's like jesse will be a professional dancer like what would jesse and i think we were pretty sarcastic about it you know i think you made jesse the yoga teacher last time no but what do i think jesse might actually be doing zumba classes on the internet <laughs> oh right well i feel like she does something that helps people mm-hmm. but like on a bigger scale like i feel mm. like she works Something like, like a, a nonprofit, like something to do with like affordable housing or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I feel like Jesse's one of the like more determined and kind of on track of them. We know that mm-hmm. she can apply herself to lots of things. So, yeah, she's successful. She has discipline. Mm-hmm. Which one of them works for the mayor's office? Ooh, Stacy. Yeah, I can see that. What's Shannon doing? Do we think she's rich? She doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. She's just hanging out. Maybe she, like, does, like, something to do with dogs. <laughs> like, walks them? <laughs> like, what? Like, show? Does she show them? Yeah, She's like, something, Like, a dog show person? Something that is, like, seems... Like, not like a pet groomer, but what would a rich person do with dogs? So, like, I guess a dog shower or maybe she's like a a dog therapist. <laughs> like a dog psychic? Dog psychic. Animal psychic. Something like that. All right. I'm going to keep reading questions. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. So, Heather, uh, we have, oh, quite a few questions from Heather here. Okay. So, the first one from Heather is... What are our favorite supporting characters and which one would we like to read a book from the perspective of? I mean, Bart, obviously. Yeah, I think a Bart book would be great. What would Bart's book be about? Something hot. <laughs> That's his whole personality is hot. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bart Taylor and I'm hot. Some people I say describe me I'm as hot. hot. I'm in a band. I'm hot. <laughs> Some people say I should be a model. <laughs> Now he's like, wow. <laughs> no, that's Don's letter to Logan's fucking cousin or whatever. Oh, right. <laughs> Lewis. I would like a book from Cokie Mason's perspective, mm-hmm. as we've talked about before, because I don't get her. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I feel like you're setting yourself up for a really depressing, sad book. Uh, maybe. Or maybe she's like a criminal mastermind. I don't know. Like. Cool. 
I'm just, I'm interested. You know what? So I would say Cookie Mason. The Phantom Phone Caller. This is the character that we need a book from their perspective. And you're, you're, you're not talking about Alan Gray or Trevor Sanborn. You're talking about the actual, the actual Phantom Phone Caller. caller, Yes. (laughs) Like as the book is going on, or like from prison. I think both. Is this is this is this before or after his GoFundMe? I mean, I think it's. During. What is he going to do with the money? Maybe, it's he like, has to restart his life somehow. I mean, what ha- you know how hard it is to get a job when you're a felon. You you don't have any voting rights in most states. And this is a story. Yeah, you're right. This is. Um, <laughs> I think you should write it. What color bo- would his book cover be? Well, it would be green, and then no one would buy it because they would confuse it for a gardening manual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a finance book or a, f- <laughs> a finance book <laughs> uh, how about you Anne? i mean i would like to see something from janine i guess that would be yeah. interesting yeah. i think that would legitimately actually be yeah good uh for talking about janine i also you know not just because they've been linked romantically in a bunch of fanfic but i think charlie thomas would also be interesting yeah. I think he's seen a lot. He remembers a lot of their dad being around in a way that Christy and David Michael don't. I'm sort of interested in what, what Stony Brook looks like for someone who's maybe about to leave, mm-hmm. you know, finishing senior year. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Hmm. Where do you think Charlie goes to, goes to college? UConn. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Or NYU. Mm, maybe. I think it depends on whether Watson helps with college or not. Yeah. The college is also a lot cheaper because... Well, Charlie could graduate anywhere from 1987 to 2000, and it would make a big difference when he graduates where he gets to go. Yeah. Yeah. He could go to Boston College. That's a a corridor Mm -hmm. that happens there. Okay. So Heather has also asked us which Stony Brookians are most likely anti-vaxxers or anti-maskers, which I also think we've briefly touched on before. And then the sort of follow-up to this is whether Watson is like a, a MAGA rich guy or is he like not a regular rich guy I'm a cool rich guy liberal or somewhere in between which like uh, who is Watson I think um, I don't know what your guys th- thoughts are but I my my suspicion is that like what where he would have lied then would be different from where he would lie now in terms of like I don't know the transitions of the state and how it votes but it's I mean it's pretty in the late 80s early 90s it was pretty conservative and like pretty republican so Mm -hmm. i feel Mm -hmm. like he's more between than the like i'm a cool rich guy liberal type i don't know if he's veering Mm -hmm. quite into maga territory but i think i don't think he's trying to like pass himself off as a as a liberal necessarily unless he does that fake thing that's not real Mm -hmm. where he's like i'm a social you know social liberal and (laughs) fiscal fiscal conservative conservative, which is like not a position do all your magic programs and no one will pay for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think in the context of the books, I think he would be a Reagan and Bush voter. But that was the whole thing is that you could view yourself as a quote unquote compassionate conservative. And you it also wasn't like anti-government. Like the government was was you it was like small government, but it wasn't anti-government in the way the GOP has changed now, at least not in the national conversation. So like it was, I feel like if we try to put them in now, I don't know. I I feel like then Watson would be like a a Biden fan, frankly, because I think it's just a different thing. It's a different, like Trumpism is a whole different, it's not Reagan and not, it's not Reaganism. Like it's like a very different beast in terms of what people tell themselves about it, I don't know. I, th- I, I, th- it seems different to me. I mean, no, they're like spiritual, you know, derivatives of one another. They're, I mean, like that—that's what you tell yourself when you're like, "I'm just voting against drugs on the streets." The like, what that means is like, I'm voting against things that affect, you know, poor people of color. <laughs> oh, like a thousand yeah. percent. But I think that there was well, and and this may also be my perspective as as growing up reading headlines as a ch- as a child at the time but i think that there was um more plausible deniability and more whitewashing of what those positions really meant and also cuz there's no internet and there's no like um the the conversations were much more one dimensional like the the information that you have access to the average person didn't 
have access to at that time. And so I just think that the way it was viewed was delusional. I agree that the policies are the same and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, really hurt people, but the story you could tell yourself about it, given no internet and given the lack of other voices was a very different story. Sure. Fine. (laughs) Not defending Reagan. Let me be clear. I think we're pretty clear on Reagan on this podcast, but I think that, you know, know. no internet means a very different. Esme's known to be an apologist for some suspect figures. (laughs) (laughs) Are you seriously comparing Logan Bruno to Ronald Reagan? (laughs) I think Logan Bruno is fucking Donald Trump, okay? <laughs> He's awful. <laughs> He's worse than Reagan. <laughs> Anne, any thoughts? No. <laughs> okay. Heather also had a cr- question for us that's great. I don't think we ha- have time to deal with it in this, but maybe we can flag it for a future, like, you know, patron patreon content or something but she she requested whether ann and i could compile a top 10 stony brook incels list to um to be mean to esme with (laughs) but heather who also seems like a very nice person was like wait maybe that's too mean how about just top 10 lines that would make esme cry (laughs) which i love both of these things and i think neither one are mean both are hilarious um it they would take time to compile and as um you listeners probably know um or could probably guess I, I did not plan in advance for this episode. So <laughs> that'll that'll have to be some content we save for later. <laughs> yeah, we can start compiling a list of lines that Esme would cry at. Yeah, like what are the type of lines that make her cry the most is I think a way we could deal with that question right now. Like anything that's like nice. It's like it's like basically like blank, I did blank, then I blanked, and then she cries. <laughs> Just what? <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> it's like it's like a Mad Lib, and anything you fill in the blank makes you cry. Wow! Sorry, that was like, made sense in my head, but when I said it, maybe it didn't. Amazing. Do you guys really feel like you can't? You can't uh, like yes, haha! Everything makes me cry. But I'm wondering if you feel like you actually have a handle on some of the themes that are more likely to make um, me cry. Yeah. Anytime Christy apologizes. Uh, anytime Christy learns something, anytime Christy says something nice to someone else, <laughs> uh, anytime Christy overcomes adversity, slander. As <laughs> was like, this is what I would do. This is how I would feel. This is how I would react. Uh, so touching and. Uh. I'm Anne. I saved everyone from the island. If I wasn't there, <laughs> Don would drown. Yeah, who also find that mirror on the ground? So, so no, the answer's no. All of my answers are correct. I do not think that I have, I enjoy Christy, but I do not think I have cried more at Christy than at other characters. Sure. Are we still answering this question or are we moving on? I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> you don't know me at all. Um, okay. We also have a question from Alice that says, what vacation locations that the girls never visited do you think would have made fun or interesting super specials? And Alice adds, I'm still tempted to write the BSC goes to Egypt fanfic that would undoubtedly have thrilled and delighted me as a baby nerd. I would read that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. Are the, wait, do they go to Egypt like in the 90s or in 2020? <laughs> I was thinking more like time machine. Oh. Like maybe they go back. Oh. Suit and common time. Okay. Well, I like this idea. I think based on the conversation we had about Jesse's dreams of Texas, that the BSC mm-hmm. goes to Texas would be a super fun one. Does that exist? Yikes. They do they do do a like uh two RVs across the United States, but I don't know if Jesse goes to Texas or not, because that was like that came out when Ann and I were in college. So oh I don't my. I don't know. Yeah. So if they went to Texas, would it be like they go to a ranch or something? Mm-hmm. Or would they dude go to ranch? like Dallas South- or Southwest? Yeah, Dude Ranch. Yeah. Oh my God. I went to this. Oh, so many horses. Yeah. Another series that I consumed as a kid that was not books or as the uh, Mary Kate and Ashley films. <laughs> For some reason, Dude Ranch made me think of those. <laughs> anyway. So, Texas, any place else? Mm-hmm. I mean, Japan would be cool. Very mm-hmm. cool. 
I feel like Claudia could have a reckoning with her, Mm -hmm. with herself and her identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, what's the premise? The Kishis win a trip (laughs) from work and can somehow afford to take 16 children with them. No, they they go on a cruise. They get there by boat. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't, I think they go a lot of good places. I'm not, there's a lot of things that I just feel like seem really niche like it would be really really random i was like i like the czech republic should they go there why would they go there what would be the premise i don't understand i'll go with sacramento california i I would like to that would be so fun oh my god (laughs) you should write it right it's like ladybird uh like oh god kill me love that movie uh okay so our last questions in the category of about the babysitters are from rachel and they are, um, which babysitting clients slash neighborhood kids were your favorite? Kind of sub-question to that, what major plot lines or details would you change about the BSC? Ooh, she put Claudia being a pro skier as a kind of example there. Obviously, obviously a fan of us. <laughs> uh, and then a follow-up to that was, how would you review and rank the BSC movie, the 1990 TV show, and the recent Netflix show? And then last follow-up question from Rachel is super curious. Have you ever imagined what Stony Brook actually looked like and how accurate the map actually is, which I know Esme has lots of thoughts about. These are great questions. I mean, I feel like the way they wrote the books, some kids clearly seem shitty. (laughs) Like, definitely not Jenny. Mm -hmm. No. Because no one ever wants to babysit her. Everyone loves Jamie and the Perkins Mm -hmm. girls. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. the Perkins girls are my fave. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Perkins girls, Perkins girls a lot. I, as a kid, and still, I love the Pikes. I like to see what the Pikes are up to. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's I, I loved movies with a ton of kids in them, and I love books with a ton of kids in them, which is why I like the series to begin with. But I do, I like the Pikes a lot. Charlotte, I feel like I would like Charlotte. Should be easy to babysit for. Yeah, that's more your speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Perkins girls are my speed. They're little, and there's a baby. Yeah. What? That's, That's all it takes. Yeah. And they're fun. Sense. They seem chill. What major plot lines or details would be changed about the BSC? Honestly, I think Logan you is know, dead, almost all of so. Yeah. I, I wouldn't kill him. I would just make him less of a dick. I think like most of the boy stuff does not hold up very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I would which is, you know, to skip to the next one, a thing that we really liked about the Netflix show is that the girls are much more empowered around boy stuff at least in season one season two hasn't come out yet um so i just the the, all the boy stuff like their interest and and sort of obsession rings true but like the way things play out all feels really dated and kind of undermining of the girls who are really independent and competent in a lot of other ways Mm -hmm. so i would like all of the boy stuff to be more egalitarian yeah Mm -hmm. logan especially as the like prototype boyfriend in the whole series i would like him especially to be very different yeah agreed yeah it's weird that i feel like all the other kind of supporting characters are pretty positive and then they made marianne's boyfriend kind of a dick it's an interesting Mm -hmm. choice Um, and i wonder if that was like intentionally done or was just that's just kind of way like there, there wanted to be some friction between them Mm. that's weird i think that's realistic right like you know we don't expect the boyfriend you have when you're 13 to last forever um but i think they could have them have conflict without having him be like controlling and weird yeah i agree what about the map you guys don't have any plot details we would change everything else is good no i that's i agree with you that's what i would change i mean okay yeah i i mean I would like there to be have been more uh, stuff about like Claudia being Japanese. Mm. Um, they did it a lot in the Netflix in the Netflix show, but mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's also only so much they could have done in the books, like mm-hmm. you know, practically speaking. But I feel like M- Mimi was the conduit for most of that sort of most of her Japanese ness. Yeah, and then kind of like. After Mimi died, it was like the special tea went away, and like you know what I mean. Yeah. I like yeah. I wish there was a little bit more of like that. We like then because then it's almost like Claudia's Japanese-ness is only like by description. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's only like through her appearance, right? 
Yeah. I'll be interested to see if it comes up more in later books. I hope yeah. it does. But yeah. Yeah. I liked how they also in the Netflix show made Mrs. Porter a real character <laughs> mm-hmm. instead of like mm-hmm. an old woman who we shame for living alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this rank and review the BSC movie, the 90 TV show and the Netflix show. Obviously, we love the Netflix show far and away. I think the only I, I you know. I get why people like the other two, but I think it's the only one that accurately represents the BSE at all. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the through line of it and the spirit of it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would agree. No, totally. I, we're in the books we're in now. We start to see the ads for the videotapes in the back of the books, and I ordered them. So I had the 90 show on video as a kid, and Anne and I would watch it a lot, um, even though we were like, 12 and 13 by the time I got them um but we would we would watch it we did I didn't have HBO and we would like watch it and I remember watching it and complaining with you like yeah it's not like when I think back on watching those shows it's not like yeah those were great it's it was it you know we kind of knew they weren't very good Mm -hmm. yeah and and we would be like mad like what what Dawn's hair isn't long enough or like Mm -hmm. Stacy wouldn't say that or right yeah so you know I think they were they're like comforting and they're interesting but they didn't I, I think they missed a lot of the I don't know they I, it I feel like the people who were making it right were not fans of the books mm. like they didn't mm-hmm. grow up reading them so right. they were making it for children and sometimes when adults are making something for children that they don't understand you can tell right um, yeah, totally whereas the Netflix show is made by people like us who grew up loving mm-hmm. it and spending time immersing themselves in it that's funny and I'm still mad about we we talked about this on the podcast before, but Melanie Mayron, who directed the movie, never read a single BSC book, and I'm still mad about That's that. That's insane. Like, I, why I, would like, you agree to do that? <laughs> I know. I, I just it feels so irresponsible to me. I so I really like a lot of the actresses in that movie, and I think they they did their best. Um, and I think, uh, th- you know, it's not bad, but I think it could have been better if she knew what she was directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty insulting. Yeah. to be honest. Okay. Oh yeah, you wanted me. I just I I spent a lot of time looking for Stony Brook on maps oh, and, yeah. and not believing that it didn't exist when I was a child. There were a lot of atlases in my house, um, <laughs> and wanting to visit there. And we had family in Massachusetts, so like driving through Connecticut, like is that town Stony Brook? Is that mm-hmm. town Stony Brook? Things like that. Um, the map, the the like guide to the BSE didn't come out until Anne and I were older. So I just liked seeing a map doesn't feel very accurate to me because it's just not detailed enough because I feel like we get a very detailed world yeah I also think like in my experience with small Connecticut towns like neighborhoods aren't structured in Connecticut in the way they are like in California as like grids with sidewalks and stuff like that like so I I don't think it's that accurate (laughs) just in terms of the geography of the space yeah I mean I just think of Stars Hollow now mm. after watching Gilmore Girls interesting but that's mm. just like generic like east coast small small town kind yeah. of mm-hmm. okay okay so then we have some questions for us okay so michael asks how else did our fandoms manifest like making friends be certain people in the bsc scrapbooking about it etc <laughs> uh I would say when we were kids, Anne and I both sent away for like the Babysitter's Club fan club. Um, I think there was like a T-shirt and a membership card and a poster. Um, And we definitely played Babysitter's Club in elementary school. I remember arguing over like lots of people wanted to be Marianne and no one wanted to be Christy, which I feel like is really emblematic of how girls are socialized. Um, Those are the main things I remember. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Write everything down. Have have neat handwriting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like back in the in the late eighties, like fandom was pretty much just like putting a poster on your wall mm. and just really and just like really liking something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there wasn't the internet. Yeah. Like find you know. I'm not I'm not really into fandom very much. Shocker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Esme's the most fandom person among us three. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry, Weezer fan club, Weezer news group. We like Yeah, but it's, it's not like I don't I don't like externally show my fandom. I never wore like band t shirts. I never put stuff on my wall. 
Like you I definitely just, had band t-shirts. But I never wore them. I you, still don't wear them. You literally wore your Lollapalooza shirt all the time in high school. No, I didn't. The, the <laughs> Anyway. Uh-oh, you guys are in a fight. The band review guy called you Lollapalooza. I'm going to tell Michael that he broke up the podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> no yeah i i yeah i think it was posters on the wall and and talking about it. i i would try i would try to do their handwriting i think lots of people did that nope but that's about it we weren't big ban- fanfic people yeah i guess i wrote some of my own babysitters club books in fourth grade because we had this like oh. competition in my class where everyone would write a story every week and my teacher would read them out loud and then we would vote on which ones we liked the best and then she would publish them so she published one of my Nancy mm-hmm. Drews and one of my Babysitter's Club. Nice. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would like to see these. I think my mom still has them. Yeah. See if you can find them. Dana, help us out. Um, so most embarrassing babysitting story. So Anne didn't babysit. I can't think of anything embarrassing that happened while I was babysitting. Me neither. I can think of funny things, but not embarrassing things. Yeah. I had. I was babysitting for these twins in college, and they were like four and I showed up and the little boy was like, um, I'm glad you're here. I didn't want Diana to be here, which was their other babysitter. And I said, oh, great. Well, good. I'm glad to be here, too. And he said, I don't yike, Diana. I yike you, but not too much. <laughs> Only a little bit. <laughs> so, That's so mean. I think I think about that a lot. Yeah. Like, I was better than Diana, but not by a lot. Just yeah, just a little bit. I don't. I don't remember any like embarrassing or like specific stories. I ba- I babysat as a like in high school. I babysat a lot of babies, and so it was mostly just like putting them to sleep and then watching TV until the parents came home. I didn't. I like the family that I sat for a lot when I was little were my next door neighbors, and they were like like the oldest one was like two years younger than me, and the littlest one was an infant. So I we were just like. They would play Zelda, like live action Zelda in the backyard, mm-hmm. and I would just chill at the baby. Um, I barely watched them. <laughs> I was like nice. 13 and there was an infant and like an 11 year old and a nine year old. Like, but, yeah. I, but I, as an adult, have nannied for several families. I don't have any embarrassing stories, but I do have some fucking weird stories. I like I like Saver family that with a kid that had like some behavioral problems and like couldn't finish homework. And it was like. A, a bit more of a job at that stage than just kind of like babysitting for mm-hmm. for fun. I did I did have a lot of people mistake mm-hmm. mistake one of my nanny charges for my own baby when I was like 22, and I got a lot of public judgment for uh, walking around the mm-hmm. baby that looked like me as a person who I also like when I was 22, I looked far younger than 22. I've always looked very young, so people would be like, "Why do you child have a child?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "I'm just watching her." <laughs> I don't know if that's embarrassing, that's but I think it yeah. is revealing. <laughs> Should be embarrassing to those people. Yeah. <laughs> for their judgy nature. Okay. And then this one's for you, Emily, because Anne and I are old. <laughs> um, did you play the BSC b- computer game? Heather wants to know. No, I didn't even know there was one. I did play a lot of computer games, though. I know. Uh, I was really into Roller Coaster Tycoon and um, The Sims. And I played a lot of. Do you remember that game, Mist? Mm-hmm. My my grandfather played it, mm-hmm. and I, so it was like mm-hmm. a world exploring game. So I played a lot, and I had like this book, and I would call him yeah. for the little codes to be like, "How do you get in this place?" or whatever. Um, I also played a ton of Where in the World Is Carmen San Diego. I fucking loved that game. Nice. Uh, I did not know there was a BSC game, and now I'm like kicking myself. That would have been so fun. <laughs> I know. I need yeah. to find this. I want to play it. I mean, how though now? Like, you'd have to get like an Apple, not a 2E, but like whatever. Maybe like, somebody first like, gen iMac. People is probably like one megabyte. <laughs> Maybe someone made it into an app. Yeah. <laughs> someone's probably someone's probably put this on the internet. You guys let us know if you if you have access to it. Yeah, excellent. But we did we did not. Um, and then Heather also said that she used to. Um, dude, there were diary entries in it and she would record which BSC book, but but she's like you, Emily. She She's re-reading them and she wishes she had the entries because she doesn't remember any of them. <laughs> so you're not alone in not remembering anything. Um, Laura asks, can Emily ruin pizza? Oh my God. I'm honored. <laughs> this this will require more, <laughs> more research. 
but I will I I will do it this thank you Laura okay <laughs> yeah we'll come back to it for sure and then Anne we we posted your seventh grade ID on Instagram we got a lot of personal questions for you about seventh grade I think because the way I worded the okay. question made it seem like <laughs> so people were very weirded out by Jasper the mascot of our middle school so sorry he's fine he's just a little bear he's a bear cub yeah. but uh you already said your favorite non-Claudia book because you liked a lot of Stacy books. What was your mm-hmm. go-to outfit in middle school, your seventh grade crush, and your favorite subject? Oh, my God. These are great questions. Okay. Seventh grade crush. I don't I don't think I had one. I feel, or Brian if I did, No, I never had a crush on him. I just liked his weird haircut. Hmm. Um, Very cool. Um, I do remember I had... A hypercolor shirt that I really liked. I had a spree shirt, graphic shirt that I really liked. But the thing I remember most about seventh grade, or like I had, I used to be really into sneakers. I mean, I'm still into shoes, but um, I was always into having cool like sneakers. And I got these like Nike Air, they're like the Andre Agassi shoes. Mm hmm. And if you Google them, I mean, I think they actually reissued them recently because they're pretty, like, on trend for now. Mm. Um, but I remember, like, not a lot of girls had cool Nikes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I was, like, one of the only girls who, like, liked those types of shoes. And the cool the cool boys in eighth grade used to stop me in the hallway and be, like, cool shoes. Sick shoes. So anyway. <laughs> Amazing. That's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and my favorite subject, I mean, does anyone have a favorite subject in, in seventh grade? Um, yeah, mine was English. I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, it probably had to be English. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) As I was an English major. (laughs) And our last question, Michael wants to know who had the idea for the skeleton of the podcast, that the skeleton of the podcast should sound like the books. I think he's referring to our obviously ending with the pizza toast and and just our uh, wait. We should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. Uh, I think that was Anne, yeah. right? I don't know. I think a bunch. Of, it was pretty collaborative. I think we each had like little yeah. bits that I we contributed. I think it was like an organic, yeah, um, type of thing. Like I think probably one person was just like, "Oh, should we do a pizza toast?" And then I was like, "Oh, we should do this." Yeah. I mean, it came together pretty quickly. Yeah. I think I pitched one sentence summary and the weirdest line. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you came up with pizza toast, and mm-hmm. I think I said, "Wait, we should start talking, and then we should back up to because mm-hmm. they always do, do it like chapter like, two. Yeah, gosh. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are we? Yeah, but most of the yeah, no, I mean, we just had a couple meetings. A couple meetings. We're creative people. I feel. I feel like Anne. It was a couple. I meetings. know. I'm kidding. <laughs> And 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 I think I would give credit to Anne though for corralling us into like specific yeah that makes like, sense focus yeah I think like all the ideas were there everyone had good ideas and then maybe I just organized them a little bit which yeah yeah is what I do for my job so that yeah. would make sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean the only thing totally. that really made it possible too is that we have like really different adult like lenses right and so it just kind of lends itself to yeah. a bit mm-hmm. of an organic structure like inherently as me are you crying <sighs> no <laughs> what were you gonna say Anne? I, I was gonna say we all have different personalities and strengths just like the yeah. babysitters yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah I mean I think we knew we wanted to we wanted to have an angle right we wanted to have a specific thing that we were trying to do and that we wanted to use our different personalities and strengths and our living our dreams jobs to come to the VSC. Yep. Living the dream. <laughs> okay. So we don't have a weirdest line, obviously. Any weirdest moments from the last year or things that stick out to you as fun or funny or... I mean, I was just completely caught off guard about how hot Bart Taylor is. Like, I was not expecting that. It was such a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Is that not what you were oh looking for? <laughs> no, it's perfect. Okay. <laughs> it's perfect. I feel like this whole year has been very strange in general with everything mm-hmm. that's been going on. And even though 
Emily and I complain about the podcast a lot. I'd love to complain. It has been like an anchoring thing. Mm-hmm. It's I'm like a child who needs structure. <laughs> and this is it. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Wait, that's not really a compliment. Was that okay? We have to edit that out. Because it makes it sound like I don't like doing the podcast, which isn't true. I'm not editing that out. Most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, I think it it definitely has been an anchoring thing. It's very fun for me to be creative again. Like, I've really enjoyed, Mm. like, you know, partnering with you. Like, this is similar to what Anne does for a living, um, which I think maybe is why sometimes it's, like, harder for you because you've been creative all day and so then you are are stuck. And, like, you Mm -hmm. have to be creative as a psychologist, obviously, but in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And so... It's been really fun to think about different bits for the show, think about like what we post on Instagram, like use that part of my brain in a way that like I need to instead of like, oh, I could sit down and do something creative. But like, as we know, people don't do things without deadlines. Right. So it's it's nice to have that as a as a thing to do. And I also will just say, you know. I've known Emily her literal entire life and I've known Anne for 90% of her life. And I just really am constantly delighted by the things you both come up with. Like, it's like very fun. Like I'll do my little research and figure out what psychology thing to talk about that is like inherently kind of boring to me because that's what I spend all my time thinking about. Luckily, other people find psychology interesting. Um, But it's really, it's really fun to see what like random fucking bit of pop culture and will zero in on and like make us play candy store or like <laughs> whatever thing and then like what particular angle yeah you know the first one I remember Emily is you talking about the carceral state and the phantom phone caller in, in episode two and I was like yes this is gonna be awesome this whole thing is gonna work so that's been that's been the thing that I think is is the most fun is like getting to getting to see you know not just like you know we interact and it's personal, but getting to like see your both of your professional expertise mm-hmm. come out in this really fun and silly way. Okay. Very sincere. My, my candy store expertise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, Emily can teach us about the carceral state and respectability politics and Anne can play candy yeah. store. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's what I can offer. Anne is such a professional. <laughs> I'm such a professional. So pizza toast. I mean, pizza toast to, I mean, do you want to, this is where Emily ruins pizza, I think. No, I'm not going to do that today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could do just like pizza toast to our first birthday, a little on the nose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two on the nose. Fine with me. And? No, we don't want it to be more emotional, like Uh, more uh... heartfelt. Pizza toast is strengthening our relationships with each other. Oh, barf. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> Emily literally said barf. I was like, I'm waiting. I just, I said all my heartfelt things. It's your turn, two of you. <laughs> yeah. You could say something if you want. I, I'll pizza toast too. Um, sorry, what was it in? Strengthening our bonds? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, go for it. Pizza toast to strengthening our bonds. To strengthening pizza our bonds. Pizza toast to strengthening our bonds. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> this episode of Stuck <laughs> Stony Brook is now adjourned. <laughs> Thank you to Anna and Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for. <laughs>